0: Well, good morning, Greenwich, and welcome to the Thursday, May 6th edition of the Basement Academy. I just want to thank you. Uh, you honor me by taking some time out of your day. You could do something else with these 25 or 30 minutes, but you uh, do step aside and give attention to a psalm, to some pastoral reflections. Uh, we do have a Wednesday afternoon discussion group. We call it uh, affectionately the bitter enders, those who watch all the way through <laughs> to the bitter end of these, um, uh, these little studies. Uh, would love to have you join us. Uh, we've been going for uh, almost a year. I started it, I think, last June. Uh, and uh, yeah, what, basically what we do, uh, send a Zoom link. Um, you send an email to me, I'll send you the Zoom link. And uh, we're usually anywhere from about eight to 10 or 12 people uh, gathered and we reflect on the previous week's um, studies. And really we just uh, take these reflections and extend and deepen. And it's really a a, a delightful community. So uh, appreciate the bitter enders and would welcome any who'd like to, to join us. Our morning psalm, it's another one of these short little pilgrim psalms. I love this one. Um, it's in the context of exile, in the context of having been taken away from the homeland, the promised land, and then the return and the joy. But there's kind of a bittersweetness or a poignancy to this. So Psalm 126. When the Lord brought back the captives to Zion, we were like men who dreamed. Our mouths were filled with laughter, our tongues with songs of joy. Then it was said among the nations, The Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us, and we are filled with joy. Restore our fortunes, O Lord, like streams in the Negev. Those who sow in tears will reap with songs of joy. He who goes out weeping, carrying seed to sow, will return with songs of joy, carrying sheaves with him. That's it. Psalm 126. Just six verses. It's this idea of coming back from captivity, coming back from exile. The weeping that that begins the journey, the, the sojourn, as they're being taken away from Jerusalem into Babylon or wherever it is they were carried, and then the homecoming. It's it's a it's a psalm of homecoming and joy, and and so the the seed to sow. There's hope. There's promise. There's opportunity, but it awaits. Right. <laughs> Right now, it's just the tears as they went out uh, uh, after the destruction of the temple. There was nothing but loss and grieving and and death and weeping. But there were seeds to sow. (laughs) And so this image of bringing the sheaves, this is the fullness of harvest. And so God is always with us. There is no promise ever given us in Scripture that we will not meet hardship in this life that we will not meet grief and loss and walk the valley of of shadows. In fact, there is the promise that that will happen. There is the assurance that that is going to take place. We live east of Eden. We live because of the fall of Adam and Eve and the way sin is transmitted. We live outside the garden. But even there, God is with us. And and the seeds that we carry and the tears that water them uh, will bear fruit. And so uh, I commend Psalm 126, uh, that verse, the Lord has done great things for us and we are filled with joy. That is one of our uh, family uh, verses that we recite and and pray uh, with some frequency. Okay, some more notes from the house of mourning as I continue uh, reflecting upon my mother's life, upon her recent death, Uh, as we continue to make preparations to celebrate her life and to rejoice in God's goodness. Um, Another verse or passage from the book of Ecclesiastes, this is how the book begins. I've been reading from Ecclesiastes 3 and chapter 3 and chapter 7, but here's chapter one. The words of the teacher, a son of David, the son of David, king in Jerusalem. Meaningless. Meaningless, says the teacher. Utterly meaningless. Everything is meaningless. Some translations say vanity of vanities. What does a man gain from all his labor at which he toils under the sun? Generations come and generations go, but the earth remains forever. The sun rises and the sun sets and hurries back to where it rises. The wind blows to the south and turns to the north. Round and round it goes, ever returning on its course. All streams flow into the sea, yet the sea is never full. To the place where the stream, to the place the streams come from, there they return again. All things are wearisome more than one can say. The eye never has enough of seeing, nor the ear its fill of hearing what has been will be again what has been done will be done again there is nothing new under the sun what a way to start huh Ecclesiastes is a hmm. it's a sobering book Uh, it's a book that takes a honest kind of hard look at life. This, there's this phrase, under the sun, under the sun, kind of from a human perspective, from what our eyes see and what our lives experience, it looks like this. And so Ecclesiastes belongs to that uh, small body of literature in the Old Testament known as the wisdom literature, the Psalms, the Proverbs, uh, Ecclesiastes, the Song of Solomon, uh, Job, <clears throat> and so it's this honest assessment of life. There's nothing new under the sun. What has been, it will be again. Uh, the sun rises, the sun sets, and kind of hear Tevye: "Sunrise, sunset, sunrise, sunset." And so there's this reality. There is an apparent vanity to life. We we we're born, we grow, we labor we die we rest from our labors and so uh, i commend the, the, the book of ecclesiastes to it's a very thoughtful book um it's it's strong medicine not everybody uh enjoys it uh, i've i've known a lot of folks over the years say kind of like i don't need that book of ecclesiastes kind of depressing i i like it i'm i'm kind of oriented in in such a such a way um it's this language, generations come and generations go. I've been thinking about that um, with the death of my mother on one side of the family, not my not my wife's side. Her parents are still living. Um, but on my father's side with mom's an only child, okay? And then my dad was an only child to his parents, but his mother had previously been married. So there are some cousins I've got uh, through uh, Grandma Meeks's uh, previous <laughs> marriage, and was speaking with one of my cousins uh, last week, and um, we, we we reflected, Aunt Jackie, Mom was the last of that generation. Okay, so all of my <laughs> aunts and uncles on that side uh, are now deceased. And, and he talked about, okay, it's us now, right? So we're now uh, the generation, the oldest generation. And so this, this notion of generations coming and going has been on on my mind uh, this week. Uh, there's biblical language in there from generation to generation. One generation will commend your works to another. The Psalms use this this language. And so... The completion of a generation—that's hmm. that's, that's kind of where I'm I'm sitting. I've been thinking about that. What does that mean? That a generation is now complete. What does it mean that now I'm the oldest? You know, I I belong to that oldest generation m- myself and my brothers and my cousins. And so uh, there there's been some time warp experience. It's kind of a a funny. Some of it has just come about practically because of the looking at pictures, right? We're just looking at pictures of my mother and my father and and ourselves, myself and my brothers, as younger people. And so uh, we have childhood pictures of my mother, not many, uh, but we have some childhood pictures of my mother, uh, more from her youth and her young adulthood, uh, some life prior to meeting my father, and then it's fun to see as dad comes into the scene. And one, there's one picture where mom's with another midshipman and dad's with another young woman. And so uh, I think they've gone on some kind of blind date or something. And then they're dating other people. And then eventually, you know, they, they get together and we know the rest of the story. And so rethinking, seeing my parents as young people, um, you know, my most recent experiences with my parents as older people. <laughs> Dad died eight years ago, uh, mom last week. And to conceive of them, to, to view them, just, just to see them as younger people with all of their life ahead of them, all of their decisions ahead of them, all the twists and turns that their their story, their path is, going to take you know seeing them before they knew each other seeing them in knowing each other in in a different context you know and then you know how they met and and fell in love and were married seeing their wedding pictures and the like it's been kind of a funny thing so this there's, there's like a time warp I an older person looking at my parents as younger people it's like oh, okay that's kind of strange they're a lot younger than I am now and and so there's a time warp that's that's had some kind of a story warp with it. I don't know if that's a, a phrase that makes any sense. But thinking, you know, it's it's common to think of our lives as a story. My life, I'm living my story. You're living your story. Um, The childhood years, those formative years when the foundations are laid. And so thinking about the foundations laid in my parents' life by their parents my grandparents a foundation of faith a foundation of family um service and civic mindedness it was a different era right my folks were both born in 1930 those young adult years it just was a simpler time uh, just just their manner of dress was was simpler um you know, it was the age before computers, before we could do what we're doing now. Me talking to a camera through a computer that then beams up somehow and you can watch it, okay? None of this was possible uh, in the, the childhood, my childhood, your childhood, or certainly my parents. Um, and, then, and then thinking of their life, the story of their life, you know, the decisions that they made. <clears throat> and... and the the choices they made to 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 marry one another it it didn't have to be or or did it right i'm finding myself kind of thinking through human agency and god's sovereignty how that works together you know we uh, presbyterians talk about predestination you know god sees things in advance and shapes our lives in advance um The invisible hand of God, could it have been any different? Or is this always what it was going to be? Um, And then how my story is bound up in their story, right? I mean, my story comes from their story. I have no life if they don't meet and and, and join together and marry and, and so on. Um, I am who I am in relationship to these two people that I see, you know, in their pictures, and then they come together, and then I see I'm the third of of the three sons, and so my oldest brother, his, you know, seeing those pictures, and then uh, uh, son son number two, my brother number two, comes along, so Lee, then Tom, and then Don comes along, and and see seeing me enter the the story of our family, and so there's this. Kind of an it's an emotional vertigo. Yeah, I don't know if that makes sense to you, watching it unfold. And so as and again, as I've told you, we're digging through boxes, and so we're not finding all the pictures beautifully organized chronologically. You know, so so over here in this bucket and bin, we have found these pictures, and over there some other pictures, and we we're now organizing the pictures into a kind of a coherent. Timeline. Uh, we, we'll probably be doing some kind of video uh, tribute, perhaps as part of the service. Um, uh, but certainly for our family, we're gonna, you know, put something together. My wife is uh, all, all kudos to, to Krista for her work in that regard. But it's this my mom is who she is because of her parents and their story and who she met and who she became and the, the influences in her life. I am who I am because of my parents and my brothers and the shaping of my life. And so, um, you know, that poem I read, Time has pressed this clay under its thumb. You know, this, we are like uh, the, the biblical image of we are like clay and God is the potter and he's shaping us and, Squeezing us, and sometimes the, the difficult times in our life are the potter's kind of squeezing the clay. But that's where the shape takes place, right? I mean, that's where when you press the clay, um, it, it takes shape. The, the 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 image takes shape. The choices that get made along the way. I've been thinking about that. The choices of a previous generation, my parents, the choices they made, the choices their parents made. I've thought many times, had my grandmother not divorced, I don't know all, I frankly still do not know all the circumstances, and I'm sure never will, all the circumstances of her divorce, and that was a a trickier thing back then. She got divorced in, I think, 1924 or 5, married my grandfather in 1926, and my father was born four years later in 1930. Had that previous marriage, prior marriage, not failed, then I guess I wouldn't be here talking to you, would I? <laughs> and so I've thought about that, the choices that get made along the way, for good or for ill, that impact a person's story, that, that then has impact downstream from their story into the story of others. Um, I kind of feel the need to read One of my favorite poems. Believe it or not, it's not a psalm. And this is the poem by Robert Frost, The Road Not Taken. I think you're familiar with it. Two roads diverged in a yellow wood, and sorry I could not travel both, and be one traveler long I stood, and looked down one as far as I could to where it bent. In the undergrowth. Then took the other as just as fair, and having perhaps the better claim because it was grassy and wanted wear, though as for that the passing there had warned them really about the same. And both that morning equally lay in leaves no step had trodden black. Oh, I kept the first for another day, yet knowing how way leads on to way. I doubted if I should ever come back. I shall be telling this with a sigh, somewhere ages and ages hence. Two roads diverged in a wood and I, I took the one less traveled by, and that has made all the difference. I love that poem. Mm, mm, mm. It speaks to that human reality that each of us we we make choices we choose this path over that path this college over that college this career over that career this person over that person and and those choices set us on a path and and so uh Yet knowing how way leads on to way, I doubted if I should ever come back there. There's this, it, 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 that, that poem has a wistful, not, not sad necessarily, but, but kind of a, hmm, a pensive, thoughtful, I shall be t- telling this ages and ages hence, right? I took the road less traveled by, and that's made all the difference. And so there's, there, there's, a, there's a reality to uh, our lives. We, we make choices. My parents made choices that impacted their lives. And because of that, it impacted my life. And, and I'm sure I don't know half of the choices they made. Um, Dad choosing to go to the Naval Academy instead to Center College as he was thinking. Um, the decision to stay in the Navy, right? I mean, a lot of folks get out before the full 30 years. Um, so so I've been thinking about that, but then I, I I fold it back onto my own life. And this is where kind of the time warp story, where it becomes to me, the choices I'm making, the, the choices I have made, the choices I have yet to make. Okay. And so my story's still going. Now, now my mother's story is now completed. And, um, One day, I think about this, my story will one day complete and my kids will one day be combing through my stuff. So um, what will they find there? What artifacts will my kids be tossing out, you know, wrestling over whether to keep or throw away? You know, we we joke or they joke because, you know, right behind me in this kind of back storage room of our basement here are a number of tubs of our own. And I've got scrapbooks and memorabilia and newspaper clippings and trophies and the like. My, my engineering textbooks I still cannot part with for some reason. You know, my systems engineering and electrical engineering notebooks uh, are still there. Um, but but I've been thinking, particularly with with my mother's storybook ending, uh, that 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 phrase has it, it emerged quickly. Uh, uh, that, that morning after her death, uh, the song being sung, you know, heaven, I'm in heaven, dancing cheek to cheek. This storybook ending to this beautiful and kind of charmed life that my mother has, ha- has lived. Um, I've been thinking this week. all For all those years... This is how the story was going to end. It was going to have a storybook ending. We should have known that, right? <laughs> we should have known that about mom. Not not that her life was pain-free, trouble-free and and challenge-free, of course not. And there was there was deep struggles over the years as with everybody. But it was always going to end this way, wasn't it? And and she was not given to Thinking about that day, there, there was some part of her that, that kind of resisted talking about it. Certainly, as as we got closer, we tried to have some conversations about, you know, kind of a funeral service and what kind of songs she might like sung and scriptures read. And she just was having none of that. And, and we respected that. And not all of us are, are comfortable with that. And I do respect that but it was always going to have a storybook ending, I guess, right? This is, again, that human agency and divine sovereignty. All things were moving for Jackie Marshall Meeks towards this beautiful storybook ending. Heaven, I'm in heaven. (laughs) And the happiness that I seek. And we're out dancing cheek to cheek. Um, I wonder if we could all live with an assurance of a storybook ending. And what I mean by that, our scriptures give to us. It's not Bing Crosby that gives to us the the assurance, the blessed assurance. It's the truth of God. It's the truth of scripture. It's the truth of resurrection. Let's not forget our theology. Let's not forget Easter. Let's not forget what we proclaim. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. And so this living hope that we have of resurrection this is our storybook ending because mom's story isn't over yet, right? I mean, the story on earth, yeah, the the, the, under the sun, you know, the time to be born, the time to die has now come. But the resurrection and the life eternal uh, and inhabiting, I can't prove it, but I think we inhabit younger bodies, right? And, And so I've found myself thinking of my mother and father as younger people, and I suspect you know for myself Uh, when it's all over i i picture myself in younger younger frame and so how can i this is where i am now kind of in the house of mourning how can i live my life with more attentiveness to my story to the choices i'm making that that have consequence And, and as best as possible i want those to be good consequences i want them to be good outcomes for myself for my children and for any others that may come from my children, uh, my children's children. And so how to live with greater intentionality, greater attentiveness. Um, and to, yeah, to do that from a posture of faith, not not kind of a, Wishing not, not you know, uh, and they lived happily ever after. I, I believe that, but but there are decisions yet to be made in my life. There are actions yet to be taken, there are choices, and some of them may be hard choices. Right, you know, I choose this or I choose that. Um. So, so so, kind of the note from the house of mourning is just thinking about all of this. My life, my story is still going. My, my mothers, my fathers have come to an end. We now have kind of the punctuation mark there. And so as I was talking yesterday about the, the courage or the emotional fortitude that is required to, to keep and to throw things away, it's hard work. You know, how, should I keep this item Again, it's this this link in a chain to the past and to another story. I think living each day with attentiveness requires a fortitude. It requires a mental fortitude, a, a kind of a spiritual fortitude to not just get sucked into the news of the day, the television, the newspaper, the what's going on, kind of the blah, blah, blah. To live this day, this is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. The Lord has done great things for us and we are filled with joy. He who goes out weeping, carrying seed to sow. I want to pay attention to the seed I have yet to sow. What choices, what actions, what opportunities that I have yet ahead of me what conversations, uh, what commitments, what, what choices. I'm not going to do that. I'm, I'm going to turn aside from that. I'm going to choose this. That requires a, f- a fortitude as well. And so it, it's where character is forged uh, as we, like the poem, Robert Frost poem, I choose this path instead of that path. And I know ages and ages hence, I'm, I'm never going to get back to that one. And so we, we, we close one door as we walk through uh, another. Um, there's a, uh, in the funeral uh, liturgy, there is a prayer that sometimes we offer. Oh Lord, support us all the day long until the shadows lengthen And the evening comes and the busy world is hushed and the fever of life is over and our work is done. Then in your mercy, grant us a safe lodging and a holy rest and peace at the last through Jesus Christ, our Lord, amen. I like that prayer a lot. I don't read it often. Uh, it's it's often it's, it's often it, it's probably exclusively said in the context of, of the, the funeral um, liturgy, the funeral experience. It's this language of the shadows lengthen, <laughs> the evening comes, the busy world hush. This, this image of things coming to rest at some point, I will rest from my labors. And when I do, Lord, give give me a holy rest, peace at last. Through our Lord Jesus Christ. But, but until that time, until that time, uh, may I live well. Um, last thing I've got on the whiteboard here is losing the umbrella. When I was speaking with my cousin, um, Les, uh, last week, thinking about, you know, the generation that has now passed, Aunt Jackie being the last, reflecting on his parents' passing in, in recent years. It's been a number of years, but that he talked about, as long as mom and dad were there, we had an umbrella, right? We had some shelter, we had some shade, we had some protection. And it fe- he said, he talked about feeling when, when his father died, was the, his mother died first. And then when his father died, he said he kind of felt exposed and, and vulnerable. You know, the umbrella was gone. And I, I thought that was a thoughtful expression. That meant a lot to me. So kind of like, okay, it's me now, Right. <laughs> My, my kids have only got me. They don't have, you know, their, their grandparents as protection. So now, and so I look to God to be my shelter. have always looked to God, but it's always been good having mom and dad there. And, and so there's a vulnerability that, that casts me back upon the Lord and upon um, um, the Savior. And that's a good place to be. So in the house of mourning, we, we do cast ourselves uh, upon the God of the ages from generation to generation. God remains the same. And that gives me great courage. The same God that my parents learned of when they were children <laughs> and that they committed themselves to and began to follow, that same God is my God and is with me and is with my family, with my children. And that God will be with us uh, to the end of the age. Amen. Let's pray. And so, Lord, be our shelter, be our shade, be our umbrella, be our strong tower from generation to generation. And so uh, may we live wisely and well in our generation until our time to rest comes. And may we be thoughtful about the decisions we make, the actions that we engage, our attitudes, um, how we choose to spend this day that you have given us. And so help us, Father, uh, to live uh, with humility and wisdom and hope and joy and love and trust and grace and truth. All these virtues, all these blessings, may they abound in our lives and through our lives into the lives of our loved ones, our family, uh, our neighbors and friends. And so we bless you and thank you, God of the ages, uh, for your safekeeping and you're receiving our loved ones unto yourself. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, in whose name we pray and who taught us to pray together, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come and thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. May the God who is from everlasting to everlasting, may he watch over you, bless you, keep you this day and forevermore. Amen.